Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Kel Henderson. Kel is the founder of a Salesforce consulting practice based out of WA, Perth to be precise. He is the founder of um, 221 and um, and also the, the recent recipient of the Golden Hoodie, which he was awarded at the Salesforce World Tour in Sydney a few weeks ago. Through the episode, we heard more about Kel's earlier career, what he did before he moved into the Salesforce ecosystem and the kind of roles he held. We explore how and why he moved into the Salesforce world and uh, the kind of roles that he's held since. We look at the, the vision behind his business, 221, and how that got started. And then we also explore some of the initiatives that Kel has run in WA around helping people learn and upskill on the Salesforce platform. We look at the Western Australian talent market and, and get Kel's uh, insight into the, I guess, lack of available talent in the market and what he's been doing to upskill others and, and give people an opportunity to get into the ecosystem by joining his business. We look at the, the growth of the Western Australian market and, and what it's going to really take for, for the market to boom over there, but also discuss why and um, who are coming into the market with some of the bigger players now looking to build out their practices in Western Australia. We look at how he feels the market will evolve and what part 221 will play in that growth and then also explore what it was like to receive the golden hoodie and, and be at an in-person event recently in Sydney to receive that and, uh, and get Kel's view on what that experience was like. So yeah, really, really great guy. Does a lot for the ecosystem in WA and uh, definitely a deserving recipient of that golden hoodie. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Kel, thank you very much for joining us and for wearing your golden hoodie. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Really good to have you on the show. So yeah, like, I thought it'd be a great time to get you on, hear more about what you've been up to, kind of what led to, to the golden hoodie as well, and share that with some of their audience, but also talk about the Western Australian market because it's a funny market. And I think there's a lot of focus on it at the moment from from partners and and you know, you're you're um, very well known and, and knowledgeable on that market over there. So um, who better to, to talk about that than, than yourself? Um, but first and foremost, I'd like to kind of hear more about you as an individual and, and how you've ended up um, being in the position you're in now. So let's look back and, and look at career before Salesforce. What, what did that look like? Mate, I've, I've been in IT for 25 years. So um, I stuffed around out of high school, didn't know what I wanted to do, fell into computers, very logical. They just suit me down to the ground. But I'm more of a people person than technology. So uh, fitting into that BA consultant uh, project manager space over here, um, I started with uh, superannuation finance companies, um, good old Bank West uh, was one of the big employers over here. Um, and then moving into the mining industry. So mining, it's our big industry in WA. So I was doing a lot of IT projects in that. So a lot of infrastructure, um, a lot of control systems, engineering stuff. And while I was doing that, um, when my uh, kids came on board, I decided to do some voluntary work for the non-for-profits because I, I wanted to give back uh, because I was so fortunate. So my first implementation was after an evaluation of a CRM platform for a non-for-profit, I volunteered my time to, to set it up. 
So before you did that, had you ever really come across Salesforce before? Uh, not really. Uh, Perth is a pretty, you know, it's it's the most isolated capital city in the world. So, you know, tech takes a while to come over here. Um, you know, there's there's just the go-tos over, uh, go-to solutions over here. So the main vendors that have a presence here, it was really desktop evaluations where Salesforce would come up into the mix. And because there wasn't many people here driving that, um, you'd get mixed results. You'd have a, a somebody who had seen it, done evaluation, thought it was great, they'd use it, but you wouldn't really hear of them. So your first exposure was a not-for-profit piece. When was that and um, and what was available, I guess, in the market for you to kind of upskill and get the knowledge to be able to deliver that? Oh, mate, that's, that's, the, that's the perfect question because I didn't have a whole lot of resources. So I found it and I thought it was great but I was reading through manuals. So my first implementation about 2014, um, and it was, it was hard going. One of the big differences for me is when Trailhead came on board. So because we're so remote and we didn't have, uh, there wasn't a user group at the time and, and things like that, or they were trying to get it up and running, but the publicity wasn't there. Trailhead was a, the, the big emphasis for me to be able to go and, and learn some stuff. But it was also then the the catalyst for some of the other stuff that I was doing because I'd get stuck and have no one to talk to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it must, like you say, very isolated. And, um, you, you know, you find this platform and you become passionate about it, but it must have been a little bit frustrating seeing like Sydney and Melbourne and, and these user groups kind of exploding and Perth kind of still lagging a little bit behind at that point. Even, even uh, less mature than that, mate. I didn't even know that they existed. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just the Perthism, mate. So you were that isolated, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's fun. Funnily enough, you know, um, one one of the uh, leaders for one of the Melbourne groups, I went to high school with him, but he'd moved away, and I hadn't seen him for fifteen years until I went to World Tour a couple of years. You know, what would it be about two thousand seventeen? I went to World Tour and and ran into him. No way. Yeah, it's crazy. I guess like we've got listeners all over the world. So for for anyone that doesn't understand, like Perth is what is it, a five hour flight from Sydney? Yep. And um, it's you're three hours behind me now, and um, and really they kind of operate like you know individual countries within a big country, right? The 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 um, the, the states. Oh yeah, the isolation is fantastic for for a lot of reasons. But as a um, a young fella growing up, uh, really isolated. You know, it's it's. It's a problem then, but when uh, COVID hits and you're isolated and you're able to protect yourself, we didn't. We, we really didn't have any shutdowns or anything or lockdowns. We were we were able to isolate the the government put up the hard border. They stopped a lot of travel in and out of the state. Um, that isolation meant that we were able to to live life normally and protected from from uh, COVID until just a couple of months ago when everything was a lot lower risk. Yeah, I remember seeing, um, like, it seemed like life was going on as normal in, in WA and, uh, you know, every everyone that's where everyone wanted to be. Um, everyone wanted to get over to WA from, from New South Wales and Victoria, but uh, you guys wouldn't let us in, which I, I understand. But, um, but yeah, it's like going on holiday, uh, taking that trip over there, and I think that's what everyone was in need of. But, um, but yeah, back to your, your Salesforce career. Um, so you started off in, in that not-for-profit doing some uh, implementation work. What kind of roles did you then kind of move into when you, you'd found the platform and, and found that passion? 
it was it was still consulting. So I went from that that setup to consulting and more of a general CRM consulting. Uh, the over here there wasn't really a strong leader in the public sector. They still primarily use uh, Microsoft Suite, so um, it makes procurement really easy. So it's just the easy option. It, it might not be the best option, but it's the easy option. So when I was doing the consulting, it was more of a general CRM. Um, and I did that for a couple of years while I was, was setting up my company. And then I wanted to just focus on, on Salesforce. So did you, cause obviously you've, you've formed 221 now. Like did, did the market get to a point where you, where you felt the market was ready for a Salesforce specialist consulting business? Like was that the vision to, to be there on the ground and, and start kind of building that out? Um, I, the demand wasn't necessarily there or I didn't really see it. I just made a decision and committed. So, um, it was one of those decisions where I liked the product. I thought it was the best product in the market. Um, the ethics of the company were there. Um, the power of us was able to provide those free licenses to get the non-for-profits up and running and all of the resources were there. And I just couldn't understand why there wasn't that support. So for me, it was a bit of a leap of faith that was thinking it's not ready yet. The rest of the world understands it. It will come here. It's just a matter of time. And we're still waiting for that, uh, that, that big wave of work to come and, uh, and, you know, make sure that we're all nice and safe with, uh, you know, demand, but it's, it, it's a gradual increase. So we're getting trust. We're getting the good news stories. We're, we're working it so that you know, everybody is getting more confident and we're building the trust. So, Yeah. And that, that leads me on to the next point around, um, you, you've, um, I saw on your, your company LinkedIn page, you'd been delivering some free Salesforce training, um, like admin training and support for, for people in Perth. So what was the thinking behind that? Where did that idea come from? And, and was there a, a big like, uptake? Did, did people kind of want to, to learn and, and grow their knowledge of the platform? Yes and no. So uh, we tend to find that uh, it's scheduling over here is a bit tricky. So some people are available only during the week, some are on the weekends, some are at evenings, you know, it's, it's just tricky. So we tend to do more frequent events and um, change the time just to, to make ourselves available. Um, the reason why, we, we're just paying it forward. So we, we just by doing running a lot of these community events, I'm helping myself because I'm creating a group of people where I can ask questions and um, you know I'm, I'm I've got you know, three young kids. I don't have as much time as I used to have. So having some some real connection time and asking people and everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. Platform is so big. I'm not going to be an expert at anything. So creating that community for me was almost a selfish thing because I needed the help. I, you know, I've, I've grown up with football teams. I don't really want to do this by myself. I'd much prefer to have a group of people. And it's, it's been interesting over the years that I've been running the developer group here. People would come in and out. I saw a photo of about three or four years ago. Um, one of the gents is in Columbia, one's in Adelaide, um, one's in Sydney, you know, it's, it just changes. So being able to, to help people and become part of the community, they grow, um, they go on to bigger and better things, but it's just having somewhere to go and ask questions and, and feel like part of a group. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just just touching on that point around, you know, um, learning and, and staying kind of across the platform, because when you set up a consulting business that like you wear so many different hats, right? So you've gone from being the implementation guy, the, the consultant, the project manager, like, how does your role change when you become a, a company owner? I think it depends on every, everyone will set up based on their strengths and weaknesses. So I... I, I'm the basically sales and architect. I go in, I create the demand for the work. I set things up so that I can hand it over to the rest of my team and they're in their comfort zone of they can build out, they know the platform, we've been working together well enough that my architecture and estimates, I'll go back to them when I've got uh, queries. Um, but my my big thing is go out, talk to people, understand what their problems are, find, uh, set up the program schedule and the high-level architecture so that the my team can deliver quickly. Our big thing is that we don't, we're not in for long projects. So we don't want to target the one-year projects. We want to make sure that people are getting value for money out of the, their investment. That's quick. So we do a lot of quick starts. We do a lot of three month first phase projects and then we'll go on to the next phase of the project and, and next phase so we don't have big levels of documentation and um and a lot of risk it's get you start using the platform understand it then we'll look at the next scope of work so so you took on that sales role obviously like you're you're responsible for bringing in the work was that something that came naturally to you was that something you'd done before Consulting. Uh, most consultants are salespeople. Um, so just being mindful, you know, I'm not, I'm not the salesman that will sell ice to an Eskimo. I'm the helper. So I walk in, I've done a lot of consulting where people have a problem. Um, I'm in there to help. Um, and being in the Perth market, as we're so isolated, if you don't give long-term trusted advice, you burn bridges and you can't afford that over here. So you don't try and oversell. You, you, you're very realistic. You give good advice. And if they don't go with you the first time, they will respect that good advice and they might go with you the next time. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess, yeah, you, that, because the, the customer base isn't huge there yet. It's uh, every customer is important, right? Like it should be with every, um, every interaction with any customer anywhere in the world, but even more so in Perth where, you know, you, you probably are reliant on, on having that trust and um, and you know having repeat business from customers because there just aren't loads and loads of different options out there. Yeah, but it's also referrals, mate. So you know the one of one of our more recent customers, her she was complaining to her husband about uh, her experience at the time. Her husband spoke to another company, and that other company called uh, who had done what some work with. They said they called me up and said, "Oh, you've done some sales force. Can you go in and help?" It's two degrees of separation over here, mate. Yeah, and how would you um, how would you comment on the the talent market there now? Um, you know, we are seeing a few more people pop up in the market there, but um, but yeah, as as someone that runs a business and and someone that hires staff there and and is obviously across the like you're well connected in the the Perth market. How would you kind of describe that Salesforce talent market there? We've got some excellent people. Um, but they're pretty well hidden. Um, the, the social aspects aren't so big here. So a lot of those people are usually very, very busy. So, um, community events and things like that are, are quite often a hard to attend if you're really busy at work and, and juggling your, your family life. Um, but it's for, for us, 
So as a small business, what I do is that I typically get people who are a good culture fit, who uh, that don't know the platform. I, I introduce them to Trailhead. I say, go get some badges and make sure that this is something you want to do. And I look at a, a nine-month investment of let's train you up, um, let's get you certified. Um, we incentivize those certifications. But the people that have experience, because when projects land, the the bigger companies will want those people and they want them to be ready. So they'll either, you know, they'll try and get people with experience. They'll try and get people um, to relocate. When the projects kick off, everybody's searching for resources. But then on the flip side, what happens is that when those projects finish, there's often gaps. So those people will either relocate or they'll go into other projects that aren't necessarily Salesforce related. And we have lost those skills many, many times. Yeah, I guess that's the hard part, right? It's the consistency, the pipeline of projects, because people can't rely necessarily at this stage on on there being that constant demand of, you know, enterprise level engagement in, in WA. So and, and that that's interesting because we have seen recently some of the and I know having spoken to you about this in the past, there has been like this there's been attempts of, of partners landing in WA and not being successful and then, you know, maybe not uh, investing in the area as much. Um, but now it does seem again that, that there's another wave of the big consulting partners um, having a presence in WA. So what, like what's driving that? Where's, where's that kind of, um, you know, the, the interest come from again at this stage? From my side, I think it's uh, Salesforce investment. So Salesforce have, have made the decision to employ people over here. Uh, when I started, there were three that were only in public sector. Um, now there's um, a team of roughly 30 and they're really creating a lot of activity. Um, they've got to the stage now that they've got some some time so that they understand the platform, they understand the, the sales process. There's a, there's a lot of good energy about what's happening at the moment over here. It's just about the results lag. So what happens is that they will invest. Uh, but what happens from, from my side is that I see that they invest in a salesperson. What will happen uh, from a client side though is that they will want more than that. They'll want to trust the team. They don't, they've had a bad experience or something like that. They will want to see that local aspect. So one of the things that we do differently to a lot of the other uh, consulting companies here is we run on-site workshops. We have, we bring people into our boardroom. We've got the screen. We've got the whiteboard there. We show them so that we're teaching them while we're doing the workshops and we're building that trust because we've got that transparency. It's still that hesitation to go remote because of that trust. You want to be in the same room as somebody and you know that they're not going to be able to escape. Well, I guess at the moment that's a big differentiator for you as well, right? That you are on the ground there, and um, and you're meeting, you're, you're able to meet these customers face to face. I remember when I first moved to Australia from the UK. I can't remember who told me this, but like 
every state's kind of different, right? Like people want, in Melbourne, people want to buy from people that they can go and have a coffee with. Like it's really that kind of, that sit down, have a coffee culture is really important. Whereas, you know, Sydney might be a little bit more transactional. You don't necessarily need to have that that face-to-face engagement. And I've heard this before that, you know, Perth, as you're saying, they want to see you. They want to, you know, know you're there. They want to buy from Perth locals or WA locals and not not have just a sales guy there that's then shipping the work to Sydney to be done. Is that is that true? Is that the sense you, you get? Very much so. We've seen big projects be delayed because one person isn't in the state. In some cases, they've delayed big projects with the tier one organizations because they're not fully mobilized. And it, really, that, that doesn't make much of a difference, but it's a, it's a mindset. And when you have smaller customers that are thinking like that, it makes it, if from our perspective, it, it's a big differentiator. And because we're, we are that transparent and we're teaching them, we don't want to necessarily keep the, the, the relationship going from a commercial aspect. We want to train them up. We offer support and we can do the, the tricky 20%, but we want them to be able to do the 80% of the, the daily activities. So being in, in the room, being able to drive, uh, shake their hands, it, it it takes a lot of the mystery away. Every There's so many projects that in IT don't go well. So just taking some of that risk away about if something doesn't go right, are we able to go and knock on their door? It's that kind of an investment when it's so significant to your business operations. Trust and reducing that risk is what people want to do. So re- reducing that risk for a lot of people is having somebody in the room with them. So what, what's it going to take for the, the Perth market to really boom? And I know it is like boom town, right? Like you have these kind of seas, like you have these terms where it's crazy and, and it's driven by the mining. And then sometimes it's not so, so crazy and, you know, house prices slump a little bit and things like that. So, um, for the sales market to really, uh, sales force market to really boom, um, is it going to take like a, a big mining company or, or something like that to, to really bring in the, the volume of opportunity? Good question, mate. I, I've thought that there's a, a couple of answers, but it, every time I've been waiting for them to happen, they haven't really happened. Uh, we're, we're trying to drive into the, the mining industry a little bit more. One of the first questions that I had with a big mining company uh, when I'm presenting to them was, well, we've only got six customers. Why do we need a CRM? And so uh, actually thinking of mining and CRM there's, they don't understand the different aspects of the platform about how they can help with compliance and onboarding and all of these other things. They've got SAP. They've got all of their, their, their standard tools and they're not thinking differently. So we just need to find some of those people that driving change and want to do things differently. It's, it's going to be tricky because the large number of mining companies and the, the, the amount of money here. Quite often we get really good consultants that just get tempted by mining. Um, the dollars are, are big over there. So, um, that, that industry drains a lot of our, our resources that we want to keep. It's tricky to tell, mate. It's just going to be, we're pushing with public sector. We're pushing with mining. We're pushing with, you know, the, the, a lot of the, the grassroots organizations as well. So. It's bits and pieces. We really just need consistency. We need those good news stories. We just need to keep the trust and high quality. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I used to recruit SAP, so I know like the mining space um, is huge. Like you've got you know Rio, BHP, um, all of them are, are on SAP. Um, and yeah, I think it, it does take someone that goes in and sees something a little bit differently because the easy thing is to keep SAP, right? It's to just keep doing what you've always done. And that's why they've still got it after all these years. But I did see that Salesforce had sent over a, um, a group of people from Brisbane recently um, working with startups. I think there was like a startup morning or, or um, the scale up morning or something like that. And I think maybe it takes for a few of those startups to, to really get some, some runs on the board and build that momentum and, you know, have a real kind of uh, success story coming out of, of Perth that might suck up um, a team of Salesforce professionals and other people see that like momentum that that company's gained from using Salesforce could be could be quite pivotal in the market as well. But yeah, it must be frustrating as well for you, um, you know, building building a team and, and investing in people, and and then you have the the partners coming over and you know looking to hire and looking to hire on the ground because you know there aren't many other places for them to kind of go dipping into, right? You, you, it must be hard to retain staff as well. We haven't had that problem. Uh, we've got a, a bit of a, a, a no po- poaching kind of strategy between the partners because if we start uh, attacking one another, then we're all going to lose. So if we if we grow our own staff, if we attract our own staff um, and we keep them, my team are fantastic. They know that I've put an investment into them. I need a return on investment so that I can help other people. They've made that commitment to me. So uh, we, we haven't lost staff to another partner and we haven't taken staff from another partner. Uh, we, uh, I've got a team of eight and only two of them had previous Salesforce experience before joining. So it, it's, it's a really different strategy over here. The, the, the tier one companies, they've got a lot more capacity to, to have the, the, probably the higher salaries. They're looking for the more experienced people, but they're also the ones that are on two year projects where they don't actually see the end of the project or something like that. You know, they're, they're part of a, a, a machine where we're doing these small projects all the time and we're getting those success stories and we're getting those wins. Um, and for us, that's, that's a lot more exciting. And when you're on that learning journey, being able to own your own project and see it from the start to the end, I believe is a really good learning experience. So if I'm going to try and train people up, the last person that we, that I employed, uh, he came into the office and he was, he worked for, for nothing for a couple of weeks just to understand that that's what he wanted to do. And for me as a business owner, if he's going to de-risk that opportunity for me, he works out that he's a good culture. He's actually going to be interested in it and not in it just for the money. It's in more than the money for him. That's really important for me. So the, the competition, we, we haven't seen it yet. It might come in with the, the new players, but we're a really good team. We, we, we like working together. Um, I hope that nothing changes. Um, cause I love my team. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you could be a case study for, for, you know, companies, um, interstate that, because I still see it now, like in, in Sydney and, and Melbourne, companies have a lot more option in terms of the, the volume of available talent, um, but they're still hesitant to to give people a chance and, and an opportunity to step into a role. Like I've had um, companies that are hiring for just their, their managed services team and still looking for someone with, you know, two or three years experience. And it's like, well, why why does someone that's already doing that role somewhere else want to take a sideward step? 
um, when there's so many people out there that that don't have that experience, but just with a bit of investment and a bit of time could could easily do that. Um, so yeah, I think what you've done is is amazing, and um, you know, credit to you for for taking that. Uh, I guess well, you, you probably didn't have much opportunity to to hire experienced staff anyway, like you said, but to actually invest in people and give them an opportunity to learn is. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And hopefully more companies do that in, in other states as well, because we, we need more of that. From my side, I named the company 221 to as a reference to my young fella who's got Down syndrome. The idea was that we would pay it forward. So we would help people who wanted an op- uh, that, that needed some help. And so I'm in a fortunate situation now that we're helping customers improve their operations that, so they're able to employ more people. I'm employing people and giving them the chance. It's a good, it's a good win for everybody. And the examples, the results, one of my key staff, he had no experience. Um, he had done a, an engineering degree. And he didn't get a graduate position. So he was doing part-time work. I gave him an opportunity. He was extremely grateful. He's, he's after a year, he was taking lead of projects, delivering them to a really high quality. Customers love him. He's teaching the other staff. He was super grateful. And it, from my perspective, I just wanted to see how I, it was the first trial. So he's responsible for, for kicking the goals and making me think that that model was really sustainable. And it has, it's worked. If you have the good culture around it and he's teaching other people what the expectations are, I don't have to be very heavy on training and mentoring because we've got the culture and the culture is driving some of that success. So um, it's, it, it's a real credit to the, to the team. Yeah, and a credit to to you for giving that investment in the first place, right? Giving him that opportunity because, um, yeah, like I said, lots of people wouldn't have. But that leads me on nicely to to the the golden hoodie, and um, and obviously you um you were awarded that. You were the recipient at, at the the Sydney World Tour recently, which was um the first in person event we've had in a while. So, tell me a little bit about that, like receiving it. A, how did that feel? And and B, what was it like to actually be in person and and in in front of um, you know so many of your friends across the ecosystem? Being in Perth, being uh, uh, that isolated city, we've been having in-person events. We just haven't been able to have people from other states available. So it, it was it's great, but it 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 still felt weird um, flying to another location for an event. Um, so that was that was very odd. Really grateful, and I thought that my story resonated with having Dylan Alcott, and you know the guy's a legend, and. So he's up there and I thought my story resonated with that. And I wasn't really thinking about the golden hoodie because, you know, like we haven't had an event. So I wasn't thinking that wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And then when I got it, I'm still having a bit of imposter syndrome of why me? You know, like it's, it, I, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm just doing what I think is right. And I did never set out to win the golden hoodie. Extremely appreciative that I have. But I, I, I would be doing exactly what I'm doing with or without the hoodie. Um, I, I love the community events. I love helping people. I love people, you know, being in that opportunity, that place to give people the opportunity to, to almost help themselves and to continue take those robots away, take that stress away. From my side, the, the value system of it makes me feel like my kids 
um, would be proud of me. So that's that's what drives me, and now I'm grateful to to be able to share my story because I've got a hoodie. But I was doing all the same things, and I will continue to do the same things. Well, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast will be thinking why you for sure. So, um, so yeah, thanks on behalf of everyone that you, you help and um, and the ecosystem that perhaps hasn't had the chance to to do that. And um, and yeah, all the best for the continued growth of the growth of the business, and um, and hopefully the Perth market continues to grow to enable the business to flourish as well. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Town Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.